but so my question is do you know I, I this is a genuine question i don't know why why are food and energy commodities like gasoline prices excluded from the cpi uh the, like that to me because that's the stuff where because i'll tell you this i don't know for sure I think but everyone, I, I, I would venture to guess that that those particular commodities have a little more volatility historically they do right yeah. but i'm telling you me going you know to the gas pump doesn't feel like 9.1 percent no right? it's well it's, it's like, I, the energy companies also gouge the shit out of everybody keep yeah. in mind it's no secret that okay a war breaks out energy companies go okay we're gonna lose some money in the long run so let's gouge prices now mm-hmm. let's drive oil prices up it's the middle of summer people are going to travel right if you're gonna do it do it now if you do it during the winter no one's traveling so they'll just say you know we'll stay home mm-hmm. there, you, you have to understand it was gouged and you have to understand that it was manipulated that's how i mean look how quickly it fell back down yeah Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Oh, not again. I feel like you should do the intro. No, 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 no. no. After last week, no. Higher standard, everybody. Host Chris. Saeed over there. Host Saeed. Hi, Saeed. Hi, Chris. I'm pausing for emphasis. Saeed is afraid to do the intro, so maybe one day when he puts his big boy pants on, we'll do that. For now, I got one of my usual angry things that have happened recently that I've been holding off talking to you about. I love that when you hold off to tell me so I get live reaction. Live anger? Yeah. Okay. So, in the single family residential world, there's a lot of people who were talking about debt service coverage ratio loans. (laughs) Something you know a little bit about. (laughs) I know a little bit about this, right? (laughs) And what frustrates me is that they're talking about this like this is a new thing. Oh. And you, of yeah. all people, <laughs> no. This is a new thing? Yeah, this is not a new thing. Oh, my goodness. So, a debt service coverage ratio is basically a metric that you use to underwrite property, typically used in commercial multifamily real estate, to give you an idea for every dollar in income, how much an expense you have. And the ratio should always be above one to one. So, for example, 115 means for... Every dollar uh, in expense, you have 15 cents in profit. Right. And banks underwrite your primary source of repayment on the multifamily commercial side based on that. Your secondary, loan to value, and your tertiary is usually sponsorship if needed. Right. Well, the single family guys decided they were going to get risky. And the problem is, is I, go on, I, I go on to social media and I try to educate people. And I get these, I swear to God, the guy who came at me yesterday was probably 18, red-haired, ginger dude who works part-time. His bio says this. This is not me right. being, <laughs> exactly. being mean. Okay. He works part-time real estate 
and is a it is a full time day trader. Obviously, uh, terrible full time job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I'm not trying to disparage. I'm yeah, just yeah. matter of fact. Right. You're trying to teach him through the comments. And section. he was like, "This is a new product. You don't know what you're talking about." Oh no! And I'm just like, God, please oh. stop me from killing this. What was he saying? Man. Basically, he was trying to tell me this is some new revolutionary product. And what I was trying to say is, no, they just took the multifamily concept or commercial real estate concept Model, and yeah. applied it to single family. Right. And I said, let me guess, they prefer LLCs. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Shopping. And I'm like, that's because the technical event of default, what they're going to do is they're going to take the property back from you and they don't have to worry about the consumer laws because mm -hmm. it's in an LLC. Right. And especially in California, right? Single action state. Yeah, especially in California. There's other single action states, but California mm -hmm. in particular, yeah, they just basically say you didn't pay uh, your obligations and they file and it's done. And the only, the only downfall for that is they don't get the deficiency if there's like a less than the money owed is the value of the property. Right. Which right now is not a problem. But a lot of people that were lenders, hard money lenders got into the space. And they said, okay, how can we start making loans to people that are in like the Airbnb space or they're willing to overpay for these properties for their rental usage? Right. Now, most people are going to say, you know what, I can't afford to make a payment that's 3% or 2% above market. Mm -hmm. But somebody who's Airbnb being the property and they're relying on this hospitality income, they'll do it because they're like, I'm going to double what a normal rental property would make so I can afford to pay this for this. And they're going to qualify me based on the projected pro forma cash flow, the debt service coverage ratio of this property. That's insane to me. That is an insane way to look at it. And... Now they're making these loans, single family residence loans like this. And I look at this as an extremely predatory product. And I think a lot of people out there look at them as like, oh, this is a great thing. Like, this is amazing. In a single family world, mm -hmm. you can buy up to 10 properties with agency backing, basically, right? Mm -hmm. Fannie, Freddie, well, the secondary market, you can go to any traditional lender and they'll buy, you can finance up to 10 properties. One of them should be your primary residence. Yep. The other nine can be investment properties. And if you can... All properties up to four units because they're considered single family for the purposes of financing. And this is the way to build your portfolio. And after you get to 10, if you can, you want to pay one down, pay it off. 1031 exchange. I mean, whatever yeah. you want to do at right. that point in time, if you if you have 10 properties and let's just say conservatively, rather than having, you know, all of them be four units, let's just say five, two units, 10, 10 units. And then you got the rest of them, you know, four single single units. That's, you know. I mean, this is a long, drawn-out process. We're yeah. making it seem like it's... Well, let's say you have those properties. Yeah. You, at that point in time, can lever up to another four-unit property from single. You, there's a couple different ways you can play it. Or you can get right. like what I did and, and get a lender who's a relationship lender and kind of work your way through that. But it, it's crazy to see people skipping steps that like the savings and the building wealth and right. stuff like that because they think that they just have to get in the game. Mm -hmm. And people are relying on sources of income for these properties. So... Let me play this out logically for everybody. Yeah. Is 70% of GDP consumer spending. Yeah. Consumer discretionary well before the last Fed interest rate increase was already on the downward yeah, cycle. Consumer Remember, sentiment, I think, is at all-time all low, right? Compared to like almost the 80s. Exactly. And 75% yeah. of Americans are already concerned about a recessionary economy. As they should be. I think the other 25% are realtors. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah. Hold it on strong. Well, the other 25% are listening to Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. Like, you know what? You know, did you see that he put out a... You didn't see the new thing, did you? No, I didn't. So I was waiting all week long last week. I was so excited. I rely on you for all my I'm, Dave I'm Ramsey news. Oh, <laughs> it's, it, it's like a train wreck. I can't not watch it. Yeah. So he, held, he hosted a live event on Thursday last week where he did a state of the union. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he talked about real estate. He provided all these graphs and charts. And every single graph and chart that he presented went in like... He was trying to do it from this like, you know, hey, nonchalant, like no big deal kind of way. Right. He was just, ec just economically wrong. Like he, he just did not understand the economics at all. And he was so confident 
in what he was saying, but he was so wrong about every point. He was pointing towards real estate values going up over time. And I'm like, he didn't even account for any of the down cycles in between. Mm-hmm. He literally just ignored down cycles. Ign- wow. And then he was like, well, real estate values are not going down. And now he's tweaked a little bit to real estate values are going to decelerate, but they're not going to go down. And some markets may have some, you know, price, but those are yeah. rare. Which we've already started to see. You are, well, dude, it's, it's already evident. I mean, yeah. The problem for most people is they're relying on data from Q1 and Q2 data is pretty clear that, that home values and property values are coming down already. And that's, this is before the next interest rate hike, which the next Fed meeting is on July 25th. Right. And there's a huge split between, is this going to be 75? Is it going to be 100? Yeah. You taking bets again? We were right on the last one. Yeah, but we... That episode, I, hasn't, already, that episode hasn't dropped yet, but we called it before it happened. We did. We did call yeah, it. We, we, we did call it 9%. It came actually up to 9.1%. Yeah. inflation but speaking of which i wanted to ask you have you heard of this website called shadow stats i know so um, sounds like a porn site or something no no, no of course you would think that no, it's shadow no. stats what is that so shadow stats online platform that tracks you know a, a lot of statistics government statistics right and they is it like one of those you to use your word conspiratory sites conspiratorial sites conspiratorial <laughs> I did my research. Did you really? <laughs> no. So he's been tracking inflation, I guess, the old way. Oh, yeah. So the, the core inflation versus yeah. tradition. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay. And when you track it the way it was originally meant to be tracked, right? Right. Tracked it. Tracked. Boy. Boy. <laughs> it's at inflation rates actually at 17.3%. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, there's, I there's mean, a lot of there's a lot of people on uh on the internet that are really pointing that out that that the core inflation the true inflation number is significantly different than what's being reported and look things are being excluded from the cpi uh why i don't know i recently started looking into this peter so Schiff. maybe peter Schiff believes it's like a political conspiracy oh i don't i don't think it's a it's a conspiracy but why not if you're uh, the government it's in your best interest to under report how bad it is totally but i mean that would be crazy for us to say i mean would it really though I mean, yeah. I mean, we talked about why it, there's a huge incentive for them not to. How many more? How much more money would they have to pay out if they reported true inflation numbers, right? Look, but we, like food we and not, we are not economists, you and I, right, right, right. Okay, we are not in the business of reporting data, and we don't follow things as closely as some other people do. And granted, we follow probably more than most do. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're in a recession right now? Yeah, I, I could feel it. You could feel it in your day to day life. Right. So. If we know that, mm-hmm. the government has to know that. The people who work for the government who are not getting big, government employees don't get big, big wages. Right. There's got to be a motivation for this, right? No, not, but, I don't want to get, you know, yeah, off yeah. on a tangent, but right. it's, it's real. But so my question is, do you know, I, I, this is a genuine question. I don't know why. Why are food and energy commodities like gasoline prices excluded from the CPI? Uh, the, like that to me, because that's the stuff where, because I'll tell you this. I don't know for sure, I think but everyone, I, I, would, I would venture to guess that that those particular commodities have a little more volatility historically. They do, right? Yeah. But I'm telling you, me going, you know, to the gas pump doesn't feel like 9.1%. No, right? it's, well, it's, it's I, the energy companies also gouge the shit out of everybody. Keep yeah. in mind, it's no secret that, okay, a war breaks out, energy companies go, okay, we're going to lose some money in the long run. So, let's gouge prices now. Mm-hmm. Let's drive oil prices up. It's the middle of summer. People are going to travel. Right. If you're going to do it, do it now. If you do it during the winter, no one's traveling. So, they'll just say, you know, we'll stay home. Mm-hmm. But there, you, you have to understand it was gouged and you have to understand that it was manipulated. That's how, I mean, look how quickly it fell back down. Yeah. It fell back down real quick. 
And people are saying, well, you know what? Energy's falling down, so the economy's getting healthier. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No. The manipulation slowed down a little bit, and there's some other things going on. But core inflation, as you pointed out, is still egregiously high. 17.3%. So let me give you a number I looked up the other day. I wanted to give this to you. I think you already saw it. But among those whose incomes fall in the 30000 to 100000 range, 75% say their earnings are falling behind the cost of living. Yeah. And 77% think the U.S. will be in a recession by the end of 2022, according to a recent study from Primerica. That's funny to me because it's still, and I don't understand why everybody's doing this. I don't understand why nobody is willing to admit that we're in a recession right now because a bunch of eggheads in Massachusetts haven't gone, like, you know what, guys, we're in a recession. Yeah. Um, if that, as, soon as, I, as soon as that second quarter GDP number comes out, they got to label it. Right but there. that label is retroactive. Why, yeah. why are we still ignoring the fact that, that we are in a recession? Even if the GDP number is negative now and they hold mm-hmm. off, and the next time, the next quarter is negative, yeah. it, it's still a recession and it's still retroactive. I don't right. understand why we're not... The Fed is so busy fighting, quote, Maybe they're inflation. afraid of the, out, the outrage of you know, how people react. What outrage? If 77% of people yeah. feel this way. Maybe they'll feel like you're worried about offending the, the 23 no, not, of, not offending. But I mean, what would they do? Everyone now all of a sudden everyone pulls their money out the market and the whole thing just tanks. So I've heard this 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 theory, too. Right. A mm-hmm. lot of people on on uh, social media that I've been following, this is kind of their converse argument to where the economy is going. They're like, hey, man, the Fed is going to be forced to back off of monetary policy. They're going to have to back off these interest rate increases and in cut rates. Oh, by okay. the end of the year because they're going to crash the market. Yeah, that's the that's the projection. They're saying there's going to be you know, they're going to back off the hikes and there'll be easing, quantitative easing in December, right? I don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't see it happening. I don't, I don't see that happening at all. And and I I'll tell you not only do I not see it happening. I I think <laughs> I got with the with the way the Atlanta Fed keeps changing their predictions, I don't see any of these predictions being. Oh, you, seen, you saw the last one, <laughs> yeah. The last one. So the GDP now model estimate for real GDP growth, seasonally adjusted for the annual rate in the second quarter of 2022, is negative 1.5 percent as of July 15th, which is down from negative 1.2 percent from July 8th. And if you recall, before the first quarter ended, mm-hmm. this is exactly what they did. Yep, is it went increasingly more negative, and they're like, ah. Well, I, mean, kudos, I mean, kudos to them, though, because they're updating it, what, weekly, right? That's how, how often they update it? Yeah, they update it pretty frequently. So, I mean, I, I guess my point is, is, is... Admitting they're wrong, and they're like, oh, it's actually going to be worse. Or there's more factors coming out. I mean, but the problem is, is, is like, they're increasingly looking more negative as you get towards the end. Yeah. So, this is now a pattern. Yeah. So, if, right. this, if it's gone from negative 1.2 to negative 1.5, I can guarantee you it's not going to be like, you know what? Fuck it, we're plus one. Yeah. Like, they're, they're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, right, so exactly. The fact that everybody's ignoring this stuff is is kind of mind-boggling to me given how bad it's been so what do you what do you think what's your projection right gdp growth no no, no. uh 75 or 100 oh wow yes i'm 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 left on this one i'm I'm gonna go left here you're going 100 no 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 no. i i've originally believed it was gonna be 75 well before i think the consensus was 75 and i held strong i think 75 even in light of all the things that i saw and i know that the rhetoric has been you know do they go 100 do they not I really don't see 100 happening. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you that I think people forget about the macro view of the world. And, and this could very well be wrong. This is probably my, my least confident call so far. Okay. And I'll tell you, the market, Wall Street, everybody prices these things in. Like businesses like ours, a, a bank that's publicly traded, we price these things into our modeling. Right. To go up an extra 25 basis points has significant ramifications to somebody like a bank. 
Yeah. And there's a huge amount of implications to the economy. So people are always like, oh, hey, you know, mortgage rates are coming back down. You know, ha ha ha, Fed interest rates aren't that impactful. Well, the problem is they don't understand. So the buildup, and you can watch this before July 25th when they announce it, is the market will try to price in the next interest rate hike prior to it being announced. Okay. So you'll see the markets react. So interest rates on loans will go up prior to the announcement because they're pricing that in. Yeah. And then they'll fall back down a little bit afterward at some point in time. But they never fall back down as much as they go up. And this is what eventually causes rates to go up higher. Mm-hmm. And for those of you out there who know, the Fed borrowing rate is what it costs banks to borrow, but the treasuries move based on that number. And as a result of the treasuries moving, that's when you know that that, that lending rates or mortgage rates are going to go up. What I think is really interesting is the 10-year still hasn't moved. And that kind of feeds into my theory a long time ago that you take all this elasticity out of the market by artificially keeping rates low for an extended period of time. Well, it's going to take a tremendous amount of movement by the Fed right. to get those numbers to move. And some of the short end of the curve moved. When you think about it this way, think about think about the two, five, seven, and 10-year treasuries as rocks of equally greater size. Mm-hmm. A small one is two and a big one is 10. Right? right. A Fed interest rate move that's small is going to move that small rock. Right. So that treasury is moved. But that treasury has moved a whole hell of a lot more than the 10-year has, causing not only one, two, but three yield curve inversions now. Yeah. And as a result of that, those you typically precede recessionary economies when you see that long end of the curve start to slow down. Mm-hmm. So now I think this next one should move the 10-year. And if it moves the 10-year, that's probably the most indicative in my mind of where mortgage rates are going to be at. Okay. So if it moves that farther, I think you wind up getting into the 6 almost 7% range. Wow. Yeah. I think you'll probably be in sixes for... Your regular run-of-the-mill, like refinance, yeah, mortgage, purchase, mortgage whatever, loan, yeah, yeah. mortgage loan. But I think you're going to be seven percent for investor property, which is still not, in my opinion, people won't look at it as as too uh, bad because they'll they'll look to still buy and just refi out later. But well, I mean, you should if prices dip, then yeah, yeah. you should because that'll make economic sense for you. Yeah, and then you can just refinance later because you're not paying interest for a prolonged period of time. But if prices don't dip because people are stubborn, yeah. which I'm seeing a lot of in the market, yeah. And that's, that's, also, that's also another thing which is kind of baffling to me. I got some statistics on that if you'd like to hear them, yeah, sir. Yeah, let's see them. Let's see them. It's you, all motivational and happy. Conspiratory. <laughs> never going to let that go. It wasn't me. Yeah, no, that was you. <laughs> that was a voiceover. Uh, <laughs> it was your voice actor. So I, I read an article saying that house, housing shortages spread across the U.S. becoming a coast-to-coast crisis. I would say crisis is probably a harsh word, but I took a look at the article and there was some interesting things in here. Pending home sales plunged 16% year over year in June. This follows on the heels of a 12% drop in May and a 9% dip in April. So 9, yeah. 12, and now 16. So you can kind of see that there's some you know, trajectory here. It's increasing. Right. June marked the 10th straight month of year over year declines in pending sales. There are two ways to increase supply. And this is my commentary here. Okay. You can either produce more product or you can decrease demand. And we know I said right. it over and over again, demand without affordability mm-hmm. is not demand. Mm-hmm. So I think people are focusing so much on the supply shortage. And I'll tell you that as somebody who has construction lending under his purview, here's what happens. Construction lending is typically 18 to 24 months. That's the life cycle before deliveries to the market. Mm-hmm. So Stuff that started a year and a half, two years ago, that's going to keep delivering to the market. Stuff that's starting now will deliver to the market. But at the same time, those deliveries will come online and demand is going to go down. I'm not saying we're going to meet the needs of the supply with the supply that we have. 
But I'm saying you're going to see significantly more balance. Yeah. Well, there's added urgency with all this because of the soaring rental rates that we've talked about in previous episodes too, right? Of course there is. Yeah. So, I mean... Is this to suggest that you listen to previous episodes again? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've listened to previous episodes. No. Do you find it weird to listen to yourself while you're driving your own car? No, it never sounds like me. You do all the talking. I listen to you. No, stop it. (laughs) Hypothetically speaking, let's just say you're in your car, you're driving somewhere by yourself. Okay. You turn your cell phone, listen to no, it. No, never. Get the fuck out of here. No, never. I listen. I do. You do all the time. No, I yeah. never do. No, no. Um, really? I'm listening to other podcasts. It's just you and me. Ain't I got my kids in the car half the time. You this, because the explicit rate they can't listen. To no, they can't. We have conversations in the car. We play. We play educational games in the car. I'm rarely ever listening to anything actually while driving. Okay. Oh, there's so many things I have to ask now. <laughs> First of all, this is not educational for the kids. No, 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 not listening to us. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know where, where, where all this goes. I mean, with rental rates where they are and, you know, demand without affordability not being true demand, where are people going to go? Like, well, allow me to respond to that. Active listings jumped 20% month on month in June to 562,000 homes. Listings are up 19% from a year ago. Yeah, but 9, 12, 16, now 19. These things are up. It was a second straight month-on-month increase with listings rising by 8% in May. May's jump was the first increase in inventory since June 2019. Do you think people are just trying to time this? I think you've got a lot of, a lot of change, a lot of volatility in the market. So my brother just got an, another apartment. And we can talk about his situation because, once again, we know he'll never listen to the podcast. And <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> he, he just rented a place and they... they it was like an emotional victory for him. It was, yeah, the demand because was that high. The demand is that high. Rates are super high. There's like, they're doing the sympathy letters. Like, you know, right. my, my fiance yeah, and I. We're trying was, to start yeah, a family. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> and they're, they're, there's like bidding wars for, for rental properties. So you're bidding on what your rental rate's going to be? You're, you're bidding like all the things you can. Like, this is how much money I have in the account. Like, this is how much proof of like, this is what my FICO score is. Oh my God. I'll pay a full year in advance. That's my brother lost the last one. Somebody because paid a full year in advance. A full year? rental Because they were going to buy the home and they couldn't afford to buy the home so they could pay for a full year rent in advance cash. Wow. And that's how they got to rent that place. Yeah. That's fucked up. That's so fucked up. It is fucked up. Yeah, man. Um, I know my heart goes out to these people, man. That's, that's sad. I, he doesn't mean that. No, I do. No, you don't. You don't have yeah. a heart. You're a banker. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not a banker. You're a banker. <laughs> what do you think you do for a living? You're a banker, bro. Yeah. <laughs> You're a baker, bro. <laughs> you don't have no heart. That, that's in. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. If somebody comes through with a loan, are you allowed to make an emotional decision? No, absolutely not. Because you have no heart. Yeah, well, I'm not supposed to know anything about their personal lives. Yeah, because you have no heart. Yeah, no, I'm not allowed to have a heart. Not allowed to, not having. That doesn't seem very, very different. <laughs> yeah, to me. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a perspective-based thing. Uh, but wait, so tie this all back in with why you think that, you know, the debt service coverage ratio with, is a predatory lending practice for single-family homes. I really don't feel like I need to. I feel like you're trying to avoid the topic. No. <laughs> Debt service coverage ratio is an investment vehicle product. The problem is single family residence homes, which are increasingly becoming more and more investor-like in focus, are not necessarily what I would call ideal for the hospitality industry outside of things like Airbnb. Right. And one of the, the very, very key and initial things that happen in any type of recessionary economy is people pull back on this consumer spending like we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. That includes and generally is vacations. Right. 
extra spending, the Again, superfluous yeah, going places, extra discretionary right? income. Yeah, we're, we're going into a recession, people don't have that income, right? So even month to month rentals at this point in time, if you're relying on rental rates increasing the way they have to hit mm-hmm. this this debt service coverage ratio, so let's say you you have a property which you believe you can rent right now for three thousand dollars, right? And let's just say you rent it month to month, you get one of these debt service coverage ratio loans. What if the rent goes down, right? If you recall the metric I threw out in the beginning, 1.15 to 1 means 15 cents in profit for every dollar in expense. Right. It can go down pretty quickly. With a multifamily property, you're insulated because you've got multiple units. Mm-hmm. If it's a single family property and you're doing a debt service coverage ratio loan. Yeah. What if there's an extended period of vacancy? I mean, this is one unit we're talking yeah, okay, about. Of course. I've got one right now that just rolled over. It's got, God, she, she didn't have a, a pet. Uh, she wasn't supposed to be having to bring a pet there. We charge an extra fee for that and deposit. She didn't. She didn't do that. And she had fleas all over the place. I've had uh, to pull all the carpet out. I've had to treat it twice. Oh my god! There was uh, some kind of burst pipe which she just decided she wasn't going to do anything. There's black mold in this in this area. I've had to like gut everything out. Well, this, clean it all up. This I mean, is it's this terrible. is the scariest part, right? About owning like an investment property is the repair uh, the repair maintenance, right? You got to have a good labor force or a team that you work with. Because a lot of people that feel like, well, I should just go in and buy an investment property. Like you got to, first of all, you got to know what you're doing and you got to know what things cost to fix because that's where you could be losing all your money. Well, I mean, you always get multiple bids and after you've done it enough times, you know like, hey, how much does it cost for like yeah. something like this? You got to go in with but, a little bit of a bankroll. And I'm a general contractor. So in my case, it's, it's a no, little, for you, it's yeah, different. It's a little yeah. different. But uh, I will say that that has been one of the most frustrating learning curves of this whole process is trying to figure out what what types of tenants will actually take care of your property. Mm, what do you because mean? Because you can't just look at someone's application and go like this person's gonna this person's gonna be a good renter. Yeah. So in this instance, without giving away names, it was a married couple with a blended family. Mm-hmm. They they got a divorce and oh, things fell off pretty quickly for her. And it, I made a, I made a key landlord mistake. Uh oh. I play, I let the sympathy get to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I let I said, okay, you know what? You fell behind on your rent. Just get caught up. Let me know. Blah blah. blah. I give this. Tried to work with her. Oh, six man. months. Six months. Six months. She finally had a government program which backed her, paid me all current. She wanted to stay, but I'm like, look, this thing's like five hundred dollars a month under market. Yeah. So, and so granted, I'm making probably like five six hundred bucks a month on it right now. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between five or six hundred bucks. But actually, five hundred is. It's almost doubling my profit right. on that property. Yeah, absolutely. And that's because I hadn't raised the rent in like four or five years, right? And I gave them an incredible deal. I wanted, I wanted somebody in this. This is a beautiful home in Gated. Well, you want, you also want to feel good about your tenant staying there for a long period of time. But there right? were so many warning signs. Like the uh, the neighbors would call me and tell me there's way too many cars there. I would call her and or I'd have my property manager call her and she would say, "Well, you know, the kids have you know girlfriends and boyfriends. So they're over here." Oh. And then it just, it was just terrible. It, 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 there was these beautiful wood doors that were like stained and custom because it's, oh. it's a gated community. It's a nice property, mm-hmm. and uh, they put they painted chalkboard paint on all the doors. Oh, so they could write on. But somebody was like, aggressive with it, so there was holes in the chalkboard paint Jeez. on these doors. So I had to get new doors, have them stained to match. There were fleas everywhere. We had to pull all the carpet out, all the vinyl out, and everything else. Put all, everything new back down. We had to repaint everything because there was just some weird smell. I mean, how in the frequent house. is this? I mean, we, out of all the tenants you have, I mean, how often does stuff like this happen? Very rarely. Very, very rarely. Okay. Most people, most people transition out in a very amicable way. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they, they try to get their deposits back because the property's in great condition. I mean, right. think about it this way: if you live in a property, like you, you don't want fleas. No, you want to be clean. <laughs> right. like, it's your you home. Know, so it turns out this lady's an alcoholic, and it only got exasperated when her, when her her and her husband like split up. Right. And here's how I know: is we went to the property, and she she said that there was a water leak. You know, it was flooding everywhere. Blah blah blah. It's the whole thing. 
then she wouldn't respond to messages. So I just sent somebody out there and I said, Look, hey, you need to wear a body cam. Like I'm an attorney, like just wear a body cam. I don't know what's going on over there. It doesn't feel right. Wow. He wore a body cam. This dude answered the door. We don't know who it is. He says, yeah, she would come to the door, but she's passed out drunk. And this guy walks through the house and is filming the whole thing. She's literally out with a bottle in her hand on the couch. Oh, no. It's just so bad. And, you, and this is a high-end property in a gated community. Right. And this is where all the NBA players live in, like Oklahoma. Like, this, okay. is, this is nice. Yeah. But it's the whole thing was just, there were so many red flags that I, mean, I chose can't, to ignore. So you can't bat a thousand though. So this is going to happen. I mean. It's going to happen. It'll cost me about 12 grand at, at the end of the day to mm -hmm. get everything fixed and get it you know, rent ready because I do... I don't, I don't half-ass anything. It's all like super nice repairs. Right. But if I'm getting $1,000 a month in profit at a year from now, I'll, I'll make it all back plus yeah. deposit everything else. Right, right, right. Okay. So, I mean, it, it's a temporary setback, but it is what it is. It is what it is, yeah. It's part of the and game. That, that, that's by far and away the worst. And actually, I shouldn't say it, take, it won't take a year. It'll probably take me 10 months because she had a deposit too, which I'm not going to get back, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Wow. That sounds like a headache. Mm, not really. For those of you out there who want tips on, uh, on how I manage the finances for all these things, I used to have a separate account for each property and each property's income would come into that and then I would pay the mortgage out of that. And now what I do is my property manager has, uh, and this is typically how most property managers work, I just refuse to do it. Property manager has an account set up for each one with a reserve mm -hmm. at each one of the accounts. Right. I like to keep my reserves high, so we have $2,500 per property in each account, which is yeah. generally about two months, maybe a month and a half of rent. Right. She can draw on those for anything she needs expense-wise, and she has a limit she can draw into. And then I have one account that I use. It's under my trust name and an LLC name, depending on which kind of property type it is. And then the trust will... Um, so everything comes into the trust account, and the trust account will have all the free cash flow come into it, and then all the mortgage payments auto-draft. You're dropping gems for people today, huh? I don't know about gems. I'm feeling, feeling just, nice. No, I'm just, teaching people how to... Logistics, man. It. Yeah. I mean, that's people, a huge part people of People overthink the hell out of, out of how all this works. Where it gets tricky is, is you feel like this, I need to track and make sure everything's done. Yeah. A good property manager will tell you that everybody paid. Yeah. You'll have your distribution mm -hmm. and you'll get that. And then you'll know if everybody paid, I got my distribution, then yeah. I don't have to worry about the mortgage payments coming out because that, that's there. And then I can just sweep whatever's left right. in, into my, my personal accounts. Right. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, good or bad. That's how it works. The problem is when you get more and more, and more properties, the idea of having individual accounts isn't really a value add. It's just more things to monitor. Yeah. Whereas one account, you can kind of, you, you can make more mistakes. There's more leeway that way. Yeah. And your property manager should not be paying any mortgage payments. No, you got to stay on top of that yourself. Yeah, you got you to stay yeah. on top of that yourself. Last thing you need is to deal with a fucking 30-day late on your credit report because you didn't pay. I've not gone with it. I haven't had one of those ever. Yeah, yeah. you I, shouldn't. Utilities are where I get scared because when somebody leaves yeah. and you want to show the property to a tenant, yeah. you have to keep the utilities on. Mm -hmm. So I always have to turn them on under my name just keep utilities on for a brief period of time. I've never had to wait longer than like a couple of weeks. Right. Like my sister, property manager, she's really good at getting me a roulette. This one's probably going to take me a little while, but it's, it's in my name. So I'll get a bill for like a month's service. That's where I'm always like, shit, yeah. did we cover everybody? Yeah, did we, did we pay yeah. everybody? The one that I see the most with all the reports that I see is you know, medical collections. People, you know, they don't have the right address. It gets sent to them. They don't pay. You know, there's a, there's a revision collection. coming out for the credit card. Yeah, 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 right? yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's what I've seen the most. So, you ever there, like when my wife was just in the hospital for, you know, the car accident. Before we left, I'm like, yo, give me that bill. I want to pay this right now. They don't do that. Yeah. Oh, well, they did it for us. Did they really? Yeah. I was able to pay right then and there. So my wife, when she was in the hospital for yeah. the, that issue she had, where she, she was in the hospital for a couple of days and uh, we still don't really understand what happened. So I'm not like being ambiguous. We just don't really know. But she couldn't remember five hours a day, had a temperature, thought she was septic. Right. We just got a bill last night. 
from the doctor who was the infection uh, specialist or something. They lag on that too, don't dude. They? It's been it's been like three months. Yeah, it's easy to forget about three months. The bill just shows up, and then it says that they took nothing out of like insurance didn't cover anything. And we're what? like, why? And, yeah, and here's the thing: I, I don't consider myself to be a stupid person, <laughs> but if I can't fucking understand your billing, like, <laughs> yeah, like you're dicks. Like, yeah. that's not me. That's you. Make it clear. Yeah, Wait, yeah like insurance doesn't cover any of it. What the hell? I'm like, we have good insurance. Yeah, what are you talking yeah, about? yeah exactly. Like, I'm like, what are you? What are you doing? And then my wife calls today, and then she sends me some message. I don't even understand. So I just, I was like, fuck it, just pay it. Yeah. Like I, I don't. I'm not right. even. Gonna, if it's a, if a choice in getting my wife to explain in clear detail <laughs> and getting into a fight with her about it or just paying a $500 bill, I'm going to pay that $500 yeah, bill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just it, it yeah, yeah, I don't want to even deal with this. You know those medical collections don't come on the credit reports anymore, right? Yeah. The small yeah. ones? The small yeah. ones don't show up anymore? Doesn't... It's been years in the making. The one that I don't understand was when they took judgments and like bankruptcies off. Oh, really? Yeah. You, you can only get some... There, there's certain a like... certain time, time frame though, right? There's time frame, but there's also like... Um, Certain types just won't show up anymore. The algorithm has oh. is, is been... So he, I have a... This is a, a different conversation for a different podcast, but considering this is our podcast, we're going to do what the hell we want. The fuck we want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, shit. Yeah. Um, the FICO algorithm is completely fucking outdated. It's... Yeah, I mean... Think about it this way. If you're a young kid and you don't... If you live in like New York, like a major mm-hmm. metropolitan area, you don't need a car. You Uber. Right. Right. Let, let's say you... Uh, and the car knows the f- quickest way to like boost your score. Yeah, you can if you're if you're like one of these nomad people who work from home. Yeah, you can literally Airbnb for three four months at a time. Yeah, yeah, in, in different countries around yeah, the world. Seriously. Yeah, so you're not gonna have a mortgage. You're not mm-hmm. gonna have car payments. No, you you may or may not have re- revolving debt. I mean, you probably don't if you're an idiot and listen to Dave Ramsey. So don't be a fucking <laughs> idiot and listen to Dave Ramsey. Right, because he sucks. Have I put enough emphasis on he sucks? Just, yeah, yeah. Still sucks. I feel like I'm not being clear enough. Still here. sucks. He's, he's the worst. The worst. You know that the thing that came out on the Thursday I was, that we started talking about? Right. Where this whole State of the Union thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right below it, prices aren't going to go down. You need to buy now because prices are only going to go up. Go ahead and click this link. Yep. Click these <laughs> links. Talk to my realtors. And I'm like, how does nobody see this and go, what in the actual fuck is this? That'd be awesome if you just see a bunch of comments from us. Just click this link. Click this link. I'm restricted. I can't comment anymore. <laughs> I'm going to go on there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to so bad. I even fire off every once in a while like a comment out of rage and I'm like, yeah. shit, nobody's going to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do that. Don't judge me. It's true. So these FICO scores? So the FICO score algorithm has been, been outdated. I mean, th- if you think about the way that people use credit nowadays, it not, doesn't necessarily align with how we continue to do things. Keep, mm-hmm. People think that this is a standardized process, but the algorithm is actually different. So Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian are three different credit bureaus that are three companies that are not owned by the government. There's, right. They're they're essentially their own private companies. Private companies, right? So because of that, other than their consumer compliance and the laws that are around it, their algorithms don't necessarily line up. And as you know, you know, in the work environment, the smart thing to do is get a tri merge, which pulls a credit score from all three, and then you right. you as a company take the middle score. Right. But a lot of people will just take information from Experian or Equifax or TransUnion. And, and they were judgment based off of one. They judgment based off of one, and they were also report into those bureaus right. as well. Uh, I so see. if you have a thirty day late, it only shows up on Ex- Experian or Equifax or right. TransUnion, but not on all three. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very it's a very twisted. Pro- first of all, why does it, why do we have three credit bureaus? Yeah, why why can't they? First of all, why can't there be a government monitoring one? That makes the most sense. Or I, I don't know, like why, why is it so complicated? I mean, it can be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily, and I, look, I understand. Fact, so there's a, there's a new system 
that's that's kind of like in like this beta test mode where they use AI. Okay. And this is going to be messed up. It's going to cause people some drama. But it, it looks at your kind of mobile phone activity. Oh, it looks at what yeah. you do. Like your browsing history. It, it looks, I've, I've, so read, I've read about you this. You log into your checking account. Oh, man. This sounds like an episode of, uh, what was that, that Netflix show? Black Mirror? Uh, Black Mirror, yeah. I never saw that show. Oh, is it good? Didn't? Oh, it was a great, this was a great episode. I mean, basically like your social credit score. I mean, it kind of dabbles into this a little it bit. It does. And that, that, I think that it's probably along the same lines. I mean, yeah. So what they do is they look at your spending. That's scary habits, to think about, They try man. to predict your future behavior based on your, your past behavior and the things you're looking at. Yeah. In theory, it, you, it, they can make it sound real nice, but... I mean, just just think about it. Like, if you have a low credit score, you can't get into this building. That's that was how the show played out, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. I mean, oh yeah. Like, and it, it sucks was, for you. I'm eight thirty five, bro. <laughs> <laughs> eight thirty five. Uh, I'm at seven fifty. That's not too. Really? not bad. Yeah. Is that what you're at? Why are you seven fifty? Yeah, yeah well, I, I don't know. You don't know. I got, I got, you. I got two car notes, and I actually co-signed for somebody else too. To Who did you co-sign out. for? Was after the show conversation? Yeah, this is after the show conversation. All right, well, look. That still shouldn't impact your score. It's probably if we can probably go over this, but I think a lot of people under, misunderstand. So I've got a lot of mortgages, right? A lot of single family mortgages. And those all mm-hmm. show up there. The commercial stuff obviously doesn't show up in my credit report, but the single family mortgages actually pull my credit score down because I've got too many open yeah, trade lines. Exactly. That being said, I mean, I've got credit cards, I've got all these things. So mm-hmm. you shouldn't be at 750 unless there's like a large amount of leverage relative to your available credit ratio. Hmm. No. That's kind of one of the things they look at. Hmm. No, I, it's not. I, I keep that low. It's always, it never exceeds above 30%. Huh. And then I always pay it down. How many credit cards do you have? Three. Okay. With, with, with my primary one being at the bank that I bank with, Chase. Got it's got two. the largest balance. Yeah. Yeah. You have that JP Morgan Chase Palladium? No, man, I don't ball so hard. I got the you know, Sapphire Reserve. Or Sapphire Reserves. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me no concierge services. It used to be the Palladium. It required $10 million in assets under management or the equivalent of like uh, multifamily properties mm-hmm. that with them Yeah, for them to give you the card. But I know a lot of people who've got it that are lower than that. But effectively, it's it's like the American Express black card, but it's only like $500 a month. Or, sorry, a loser, $500 a year. What kind sorry. of loser has a black card? I don't know, man. Yeah. Biggest gimmick ever. <laughs> biggest gimmick. <laughs> ever. I swear to God, other than that one, the one experience I've told you about offline where one person, yeah. <clears throat> Ryan Pineda, looked at it. Uh, <laughs> other, than, other than him. He was so baffled. He was like, oh my God, you got one of these? Yeah, other than him, literally, every, like, okay, let, let's, let's imagine for a minute, everybody out there, that you, you go to this experience where you get this invitation and you pay them a lot of money it's five thousand dollars per card per year plus ten thousand dollar initiation fee up front and this is the car that jay-z raps about yeah exactly you know? it's 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 like a thing it, maybe it was big in the 90s and maybe i'm, I'm it's a status symbol man at the end of the day sure. come on okay let's just go that's fine I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it being a status symbol if that's what you yeah. want to call there were some economic reasons why i did it so for example the equinox membership thirty six hundred dollars a year, three hundred dollars a month. They cover that mm-hmm. plus thousand dollars at Saks per card. That's forty six hundred. Mm-hmm. The platinum membership was already seven hundred dollars. So you can kind of see how this all works out. And then with the other features like travel and everything else that I use, it more than pays for itself. Okay, so, but you have to really travel and go to these kind of places. It has to make sense for you. Right. It has to make sense for you. But you 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 spend all this money. Mm-hmm. You sign up for this. Like this is this is a, a milestone moment. Right. You think one person's gonna be like, oh shit, black card. Hey man. 
Yeah, no, man. Not a single fucking person has ever said a word to me. No, man. It, uh, to be honest, I, I've actually never seen one other than than yours. So it looks the exact same as a platinum card with black. Yeah, I would just if I saw it, I'd be like, oh, shit, he's got a black card. Cool. Like, I, but you, yeah, I know. But here's the thing: is like I've never gone to like a restaurant. I've never gone. In, I've never gone anywhere or seen mm-hmm. anyone who's ever made a comment. Yeah. Nothing. I'll be honest with you. People actually comment my Chase Sapphire Reserve. They'll get the card like, oh, it's heavy. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> I get more comments than your black card. I, for sure you do. I've yeah. literally never had a single person say a single word to me. Oh, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. And I, it, it's, it's, it's so <laughs> twisted. I think the perception. And then I had a guy on. Well, screw, but also screw the guy that's looking for a reaction. Would yeah. you like more bourbon, sir? Yeah, please. Buffalo Trace. I'm not, I'm not looking for a reaction. I'm just saying like all. This whole concept of, of people thinking that it's a status symbol. What, what good is a status symbol if nobody notices? Well, I don't know. You're also, you got to go to the right venues, talk to the What right venue network. are you going to go to that someone's going to be like, oh shit, black know, man. come right in. Sir. No one's going to do that. The type of asshole that like tries to network with it, you know? Uh, yeah, that's, I see those reviews online. Yeah. You know, it was a great networking thing for me. And I'm like, yeah, get the fuck, fuck out of right. here. Like, yeah. what are you networking yeah, yeah. for? Yeah, I got, let me cover the bill. Look what I got. That doesn't Spoiler alert, yeah. the same portal you use to log in and go to events with the black card is the same one you use with the platinum card. Right. It's not different. Yeah. I mean, you should take a Sharpie to your platinum card and just color it black. You really could. Yeah. There would be very little difference other than the numbers are physically etched into the black card yeah, versus yeah. the, you know. <laughs> it, it, it's very anticlimactic. I don't want to be like that guy. You can ask my wife. My wife likes hers because it's got like a floral print on it and it's black and so it like stands out and everyone's like, oh, oh my God, it's so pretty. It she gets more shit on hers because people are like, oh my God, your card's so pretty. Yeah, not realizing it's a black card. No one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, no one no cares. One, no one. First world problem. No yeah. one cares. Right. Yeah. That's hilarious. So, ball so soft. Jay-Z is a liar. Ball so soft. Yeah. Who would have thought? Oh, and for everybody out there, um, Saeed and I are, are going to make it our quest to change the intro to the show to a Nas song. That would be legendary. But we know that we're not going to get permission. No. <laughs> so we're, we're trying to find a way yeah. to strategically cheat the system. So for any of you out there who might have known anything about copyright or trade dress and, and you know how to get us around, how to use a Nas song, if we have to talk over it and comment every single time on the intro about yeah. this, this song's amazing. I really like where the beat drops right, here. Yeah, beat, this is a great review, <laughs> and that can be used to circumvent the, the law, then, then we're probably going to do that. That would be awesome. Yeah, that, that, would, be, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, and we are going to rebrand the show. When are we taking photos for that? August, late August. Uh-oh. I've given the, you yeah, like yeah. three months heads yeah. up. No, come on. One month. No, I'm One pretty month. sure we talked about this. Le- yeah. At least two months ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wouldn't be accurate if I got thin, so I got to keep it thick. Wow. I mean, we, we almost made it through another episode. You know what I was thinking about doing? What? I was thinking about doing glamour shots, like old school, like, like JCPenney Sears style. Oh. We're like, you're lying on the floor, and I'm laying on the floor, <laughs> and we're like facing each other. <laughs> no, I want to go full stepbrothers, man. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah. The you prob- can bury me, bury me in a grave. <laughs> I'll just be in there. <laughs> I, I gotta run an Airbnb and be like, hey man, can I tear up your backyard for a little bit? I gotta bury somebody. Yeah, exactly. How's that gonna go down? Yeah, exactly. Well, the shoot will be scheduled, uh, I think, in a couple weeks, so you better get, you know, photo shoot ready. Okay. Looking forward to that it. That did not sound convincing. At I'm, looking all. For, I'm looking forward to it. I've never done a photo shoot, so this should be fun. You didn't? No. It is the most awkward shit ever. I mean, you did. Oh, you did one for for this show. I've done I've done a couple of them for the media kit for the show, which you know you're not part of because you're a dick, right? Um, the uh, it, it is uh, it is not a natural thing. I don't think very many dudes are like very naturally. Yeah, I mean, 
how do you stare off into the distance and smile at something that's not there? It doesn't make any sense. I just feel like a big douche. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm trying to be something I'm not. So, so let me give you some. They key. should be taking photos of us doing the pod. That would make that's more what sense. You want. Like, so that's what a lot of dudes want. A lot of dudes want like this environmental like thing. Yeah. Right. They want like this environmental like hey. Yeah, this like, is how just, it really catch, is. Catch me in the moment. Yeah. That's not real. No. I mean, it looks real, but it's not real, right? So everything that you see of these these photos are all posts. Yeah, they're all posts. Yeah. Yeah. So you're gonna have to figure out like what your what your pose gonna what be. My pose gonna yeah. be? <laughs> oh, this is gonna come back to haunt me. I no, can no. already tell. Irma's great, bro. She's one of the best. You're gonna love her. She's okay, amazing. Wait. All right. But she's also Russian. She doesn't take any shit. So you better yeah. get your attitude right. <laughs> She'll smack she you. She will fuck you up. Stop fucking around. <laughs> she will fuck you up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are 42 minutes into this show and we should wrap it up. And as much as I would like to, mm-hmm. I have not made a fat joke about you. Go ahead. No, no, I'm not. The floor going is to. yours. I, no, no, I'm not going to. I'm just, <laughs> I would like to point out that I have not people, made one. People are wondering why you're so mean to me. Dude, I have my wife and some of her friends, some of our friends, they're, they're like, what is your problem with well, Saeed? Yeah, we're concerned for his we're safety. We're concerned about his life. And where he's going and, and what you're doing to him. Did you guys have, is there a yeah. backstory here? I'm like, no, it's not a backstory. He's an asshole. How do they, they, yeah. But all these people have seen us interact in person. Yeah, I, I, just, I just think that they like me. Yeah. They, they, they like, like you. Like, <laughs> no, I know. They, they clearly like me. They're, they're trying the to defend me. show's called a higher standard. You've got a higher moral standard than that, right? Yeah. Nope. nope. You guessed wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, not a higher, higher moral yeah, standard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's higher standard. <laughs> Get your shit right. We never concluded on the 75-50 basis or 75-100 basis point thing. I'm going 75. Okay. You can't just jack no. my fucking No, thing, no. I'm going, 70, I'm going 75 because I expect another hike. Well, after that, yeah. There's, it's so, already committed. Like, yeah. What crack pipe are you smoking? No. There's obviously going to be another hike. There's going to be hikes. There's 50 base pieces already pretty I'm, I think that they're going to be afraid of, 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 you know, consumer sentiment dropping even further, right? I mean, a 75 hike is something that's already been talked about. Surprising everyone with, another, with you know, 100 is, I mean. I can't believe you piggybacked my shit like that. No, man. I'm talking about consumer outrage. You're saying that Bro, that's I gave conspiratorial. You the <laughs> Your grammar's not that good. I uh, said that was right. It was right, but it just sounded bad again. <laughs> making so, fun of myself. Yeah, you are making fun of yourself. You're doing a good job. So here's my problem: is that I, I really do think that 100 basis points is a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. 70 basis points is what they calculated. 75 mm-hmm. basis points, and I don't I don't want to see them move the Fed funds target rate too far from what they talked about early in predictions because everybody in the market's been pricing these things out. I do think that 75 basis points at a minimum is absolute. Obviously. Mm-hmm. I think a hundred would be overly aggressive. Yeah, but I what what's strange about that is overly aggressive, but they know another hike is coming. They've already planned for another hike. Yeah, so, so what makes it I overly think 50 aggressive? Is planned for September is kind of like the the general consensus right now. So so here here's the problem: is that the things they've done to put elasticity back to move the economy haven't moved things like the 10-year that mm-hmm. hasn't really moved things it hasn't changed cpi hasn't changed inflation which makes me think 100 points is necessary except for the fact that we really haven't seen the true impacts of quantitative tightening yet mm-hmm. it started off slow and now ramping up now we're going to see a couple months of stride at this okay. right yeah so i i think to go 100 basis points without seeing the impacts of quantitative tightening at least giving it more time would be naive mm-hmm. These are smart people. This is something that I, I haven't looked into. I'm curious to ask you: uh, ha, Has there ever been such like quantitative tightening to this degree? No, because there wasn't quantitative easing for as prolonged a period of time. Okay. So quantitative tightening to 
What do you mean? To so I mean, this they're pulling quantity? Out, yeah, this quantity for how much they're projecting, how much they're no. probably take out. No. Yeah. No, and, and as much as we were being sarcastic about the episode where we talked about the dong and yeah. devaluing the dollar, <laughs> right? That's a real thing. There, yeah. there are scenarios with which inflation can become permanent if the Fed doesn't get their their, their act right. And the greatest indication of that is it's that foreign currency. Yeah. We, we could literally devalue the dollar to the point to where things that used to cost five dollars now cost ten. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's that that could lay in and be permanent, and our kids could live through that livelihood. livelihood. And it could significantly change the way we think about income and the way we think about work. And yeah, it's a very grim possibility. You would think that the Fed would would start to really battle a recession. Mm-hmm. And I hate how data reports on this lagging kind of timeline of about 30, 90 days, depending on what kind of data it is. We're really battling the wrong thing right now. Okay. You remember we were having conversations about stagflation everywhere? Yeah. When was the last time you heard the word stagflation? I haven't. Yeah. Yeah. It's about is MIA is our vice president. Yeah. <laughs> we know it's there. Yeah, it's, it's, Ain't nobody talking it's about somewhere, it. Somewhere, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, that's true. Yeah, it, it, it's out there somewhere. We just don't know where it is. Where exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's because everybody should be talking about a recession right now. Yeah. And I'll tell you exactly what's gonna happen. As soon as we declare a recession, people are gonna start talking about depression. Yeah. The fear sells. Fear sells. And sexiness sells podcasts. Yeah. Let's How go, doing, everybody. Let's yeah. go. Got anything else to tell everybody? You done? Yeah, I'm done. You done? You tapped out? Tapped out. All right. Hugs and kisses, Saeed. I love you. Do you do not look overweight. Yeah, neither do you. Thank you. I love you, man. Very handsome. I love you, too. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.